0: At the best of times, healthcare can prove challenging to deliver. While demand continues to steadily increase, resourcing may not be able to move at the same pace. And that is where clinical innovation comes in. Looking at things from a different angle, investing in new technology, or supporting the workforce to work at their fullest scope, these projects are the heart and soul of the theme, Solving the Puzzle. Good afternoon, thank you for the opportunity to present our research investigating the potential for telepractice to improve pediatric feeding care. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land and pay respects to elders past, present and emerging. And I'd also like to acknowledge my co-authors and the Children's Hospital Foundation who um, provided funding for this research. Paediatric feeding disorder is not uncommon. Um, Recent statistics from the U.S. place it at approximately one in um, every 27 to 35 children and um, they can have significant negative impacts on children and their families. Access to timely feeding support is critical due to the negative impact that feeding disorders can have on children's health, nutrition, relationships and social participation. However, children's access to skilled feeding providers can be negatively impacted by a range of factors such as distance and travel and lack of locally available services. This can result in families travelling long distances to receive necessary care or worse, not receiving care. Telepractice may offer one potential solution to help overcome some of these access difficulties. While there's a decade of research demonstrating the feasibility, reliability and positive outcomes associated with completing adult swallowing assessments or dysphagia assessments via telepractice, there was limited available research in paediatrics and differences between adults and children make um, translation of this literature difficult. Indeed when we conducted an Australian survey of practice we had a lot of speech pathologists reporting that they were interested in providing telepractice care however they were concerned about the safety, the reliability and overall were concerned about that lack of um, ability to be hands-on which we typically would be. So this led to the development of our research project which aimed to develop the system architecture required to deliver pediatric feeding assessments via telepractice and then to investigate the reliability of these assessments compared to the traditional in-person appointment, to explore parent and clinician satisfaction associated with this model of care, and then to compare the costs, both time and financial, associated with a telepractice appointment compared to a traditional in-person model. We used a four-phase iterative process informed by human-centered design principles to test our system architecture. Phase one was the planning phase, where two telepractice experts and two paediatric feeding clinicians identified the tasks required to be completed via telepractice and potential modifications. We then completed simulated trials with mannequins and various equipment in phase two. Phase three involved live trials with 10 typically developing children and their mothers. And phase four involved feedback from both parents and speech pathologists. Although these are listed as separate phases, as I said before, the process was iterative. So for example, after each individual parent trial, we would integrate parent feedback into the next trial that we did. I'd highly suggest this process for anyone who's looking at establishing a telepractice model of care. We learnt invaluable things from this, which really helped to set up our process and so that when we moved into the next stage, we knew that we were actually investigating the reliability of the telepractice model as opposed to finding that telepractice didn't work because we hadn't set it up well, which um, can often be a downfall in some some of that clinician frustration with telepractice. So, as I said, this process was highly beneficial. Some of our key findings included that we needed specific camera angles to optimize visualization of assessment elements, that a movable device, such as a laptop or smartphone was required, and that parents found an information sheet sent prior to their appointment useful to help them prepare. We also identified that two assessment elements, so assessment of positioning and assessment of the oral cavity, required asynchronous images to be sent to the telepractice clinician prior to the appointment to improve image quality and assessment ability, as well as to reduce parent burden. So um, this image here on the screen, that's um, one of our asynchronous images which a parent was able to send us, which I'm sure you can imagine was a lot better quality and a lot less intrusive for the parent, instead of trying to kind of get an iPhone in their little, um, little bub's mouth during the appointment. Um, So, when considering breastfeeding assessments specifically, we found through simulation and through parent feedback that a smartphone was the preferred device due to manoeuvrability and that a second person was required to hold the camera for the breastfeeding mother. We then used this developed system architecture to investigate the reliability of feeding assessments conducted via telepractice. To achieve this, we assessed the feeding skills of 55 children with paediatric feeding disorder, including 30 bottle feeding infants and 40 children who were eating solids and or cup drinking. To be eligible to, to, to participate in the study, um, children had to be less than 10 years of age, live within 40 kilometres of the Queensland Children's Hospital, not require the parent couldn't require use of an interpreter, and not be in the care of the Department of Child Safety. We used a simultaneous assessment model where one speech pathologist was present with the child and their parent in their family home and another speech pathologist led the appointment via telepractice, with both speech pathologists simultaneously assessing the child's feeding skills using the same assessment performer so we could compare their results. The speech pathologists were randomly assigned to either the telepractice or in-person condition which is why we set the distance criteria. and. Um, before their appointment, parents completed a number of questionnaires, including a demographic questionnaire, perceptions of telepractice questionnaire, and a questionnaire detailing the costs typically associated with attending an in-person appointment. After the telepractice appointment, they repeated the perceptions questionnaire, reported the costs associated with the telepractice appointment, and completed the client satisfaction questionnaire. The telepractice clinician also completed a satisfaction questionnaire after the appointment. So overall, we identified high levels of agreement, which was specified as greater than or equal to 80% exact agreement for most assessment elements, 45 out of 53 elements of the bottle feeding assessment had acceptable reliability, and 52 out of 55 items of the solid feeding cup drinking assessment um, met the preset agreement criteria as well. Intraoral assessment, which was assessment of palate and or tonsils, did not reach the pre-specified agreement criteria across both the bottle feeding and solid feeding cohort, with assessment of these structures noted to be difficult in both the in-person and telepractice condition. There were some additional assessment components that were noted to be difficult to achieve in the bottle feeding cohort, including assessment of gagging during a non-nutritive suck assessment, and six out of eight components of a tongue tie screen. And so these pictures on the screen are some examples from some of our um, telepractice consults. So we can see um, us undertaking a bottle feeding assessment, an oral motor assessment with an older child, and then assessment of solids with a toddler. This table provides a summary of the inter-rater reliability of the solid feeding and cup drinking assessments. And as you can see, all those assessment components, except for the intraoral assessment, reached at least 85% agreement, meaning that the assessment completed via telepractice was comparable to that completed in person. When looking at clinician satisfaction, the majority of clinicians agreed or strongly agreed that they were able to assess the child's feeding skills via telepractice, that telepractice was an effective service delivery method, and that they would use telepractice again for for that child in the future. Commonly reported reasons for re-offering telepractice appointments were improved assessment ability in the child's home environment, perception that the telepractice appointment was equivalent to an in-person appointment, the child's positive response to the telepractice appointment and or convenience for the family. Two specific examples that come to mind um, when I reflect on this feedback include a child who um, was really hesitant to participate in an assessment within a clinic environment. They had a lot of anxiety, understandably, about attending the hospital due to previous negative um, surgeries and and, um, complications. And we were actually able to complete that assessment in their home environment. They were very relaxed and actually gathered a lot more information in that setting than we'd previously been able to. And then another child who um, actually fed in a bean bag at home, um, which hadn't quite come out through some of the conversations we'd been having. And so that would have been something that we weren't able to replicate in the clinical environment either. So we were able to really um, either collect additional information or um, information that we weren't able to to collect prior. And so for the small number of families that clinicians reported that they wouldn't re-offer telepractice appointments, they reported that this is either due to technical difficulties or difficulties communicating with families who spoke English as a second language, where they felt that the risk of communication breakdown was higher over telepractice. (coughs) Parent satisfaction with the telepractice model was also high, with all parents rating the telepractice appointment as high quality and reporting that they would use telepractice services again in the future. After their telepractice appointment, significantly more parents reported that their telepractice appointment saved them time, that they felt that a telepractice appointment was equal to an in-person appointment, and that they felt that a telepractice appointment could replace an in-person appointment. As you can see from these sample comments, many families liked uh, that the appointment was able to be conducted in their home, and many parents indicated a preference for a hybrid model, integrating both in-person and telepractice appointments for their child's ongoing feeding care. Again, another example um, that came through this, we had a family who'd been accessing our service for quite some time. Um, Positioning is quite important for feeding um, success and and safety. And they'd received a lot of education about how to modify their high chair and and, how what they were using wasn't necessarily appropriate and how we could optimise that. And in doing the telepractice appointment, it was identified that the chair that the child had at home wasn't appropriate and the parent hadn't been able to implement any of those adjustments that had been talked about. The telepractice clinician was able to talk the parent through that with their own equipment they problem solved it you know they went and got towels from the cupboard adjusted it with that feedback online and then when that family came back to the appointment a few weeks later had talked about oh yeah we've got these towels it was amazing and kind of were talking about how it was almost the first time they'd heard it Um, so really some really powerful outcomes to come from that and when analysing our cost data, we identified that the telepractice appointment resulted in significant time and cost savings for families, even though they all lived within 40 kilometres of the Queensland Children's Hospital. Specifically, the telepractice appointment resulted in cost savings of $95.10 per appointment, attributed to a reduction in both direct costs, such as the cost of parking and transport, and indirect costs, which was calculated as lost wages due to time away from usual duties. As you can see in this figure, Um, The telepractice appointment took the majority of families one to two hours, as opposed to in-person appointments, which took most families a half or full day. We anticipate that the time and cost savings would be higher for families who lived at a greater distance from the service, um, obviously because there's greater distance to travel. And We had, in one of the telepractice appointments that I did, um, a mum who was quite hesitant. to, She was quite nervous about conducting a telepractice appointment. She felt that she didn't have very good tech skills and was a little bit worried about how it would go. And at the end of the appointment, um, she actually broke down in tears because she just said, I can't believe this. This has saved me three hours in my day. And this is exactly like what we do when we come in. I'm just so happy that, you know, I could still travel if I wanted to, but I don't necessarily have to every time. So, in conclusion, we identified that paediatric feeding assessments conducted via telepractice are feasible and reliable, associated with high parent and clinician satisfaction, and resolve, result in time and cost savings for families. The findings from this research has supported the transition to virtual care as part of the COVID-19 response, both locally and internationally. Um, But when looking at how this research has been translated into clinical practice outside of COVID, um, telepractice is now offered as a regular service delivery model at the Queensland Children's Hospital, with recent service statistics identifying a 460% increase in telepractice occasions of service over a three-year period outside of the COVID lockdowns. Um, And this research has also supported the development of a number of education and training resources, including family information sheets, which are published on QEPS, and an iLearn package to support clinicians um, commencing telepractice for their feeding clients. The findings have also been disseminated at national and international level, including peer-reviewed journal publications and presentation at a number of conferences. Thank you. As always, thank you for listening to our podcast and taking the time to learn about the wonderful work of Queensland's frontline clinicians. To continue the conversation, head on over to Facebook, Twitter or Instagram and let us know of any pockets of excellence you think deserve to be showcased. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Clinical Excellence Queensland.